You are about to hear the most interesting, informative, thought-provoking, opinion-leading, and funny show in America, on air and on the World Wide Web. This is The Rob Carson Show. Here is the number if you'd like to be a part of this broadcast, 800-922-6680. I just made my wife the happiest woman in America. Uh, what I did was, well, we're, we're, we're redoing a bathroom, all right, in our house, in our little house. So the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be doing a show right across from where they're redoing a bathroom. So i got to work around their schedule, right? And that'll be interesting. That should be pretty, uh, yeah, I like dogs barking and all that. And then now we got the, uh, but, I, but I told her, I said, hey, here's an idea. <clears throat> Instead of paying for the, uh, for the uh, destruction of the room, you know, they always do that. You got to take it apart. You got to, you know, do all that stuff. I said, why don't we do it ourselves? And she was like, oh, that's all she needed. Because, you know, that's the part you watch. There are two parts that you watch on HGTV, Home Improvement Shows. You watch them busting out the sinks and then busting out the walls, you know, the, the, and all that. That's the good. And then you watch the very end of it where they unveil the house. That's what we're going to do. And she's like, can't wait to get home today. I'm going to have the sledgehammer here. Uh, we're going to get all medieval on it. So... <laughs> It should. We we have not. I'm going to tell you. We've had in the time we've been together, we've had four homes. All of them have been fixer uppers. All of them have. And and in each one of those homes, we've never had a really nice bathroom. <laughs> so so this is a really this is a really big deal to have a a nice bathroom where you don't sit there you know on a Sunday morning reading your newspaper and look up and go my God this bathroom is terrible. So it, it should be uh, it should be pretty exciting. All right, um, lots of stuff to get to uh, this hour, including a remarkable conversation between Elon Musk and Robert Kennedy Jr., the only Democrat that I would be concerned about becoming the president if if all things were equal, if we didn't have an FBI and DOJ and all sorts of government agencies and the deep state and big tech and the mainstream media working together to throw the next election, if it were a free and fair election, which I'm not sure we can have right now unless we really turn this around. But if that were to happen, Robert Kennedy Jr. would be a threat. Really, really, and, and I'm—I don't know. I—I—I I, I don't know. Now, yesterday, I saw briefly Joe Manchin considering a third-party run. That would wreck the Democrat Party. It wouldn't bring Trump voters. Uh, Ron DeSantis right now doesn't look like he's going to bring any Trump voters. So all I really see is Democrats leaving the Democrat Party and Joe Biden for Joe Manchin. But I got to tell you, I think the bigger draw would be RFK. And you want to know why? Because he says stuff like this. I want you to listen to Robert Kennedy Jr. He's a guy who was shut down by the mainstream media, by big tech, shut down for his truth about COVID, his truth about COVID. Now, you may recall all of the ways that you were considered crazy, that if you believed that the FBI or other agencies were involved in throwing an election, that you were an election denier, and that if you uh, didn't believe that the, the COVID vaccine would work uh, to keep you from getting the virus, 
uh, you were considered to be a conspiracy theorist. Uh, I could think of a number of other Russia disinformation. You knew that it was nonsense, but you were told that you were some sort of denier. Of course, Donald Trump was involved with Russia. We all know that was a lie. We've been told all of these things are disinformation, misinformation, and all that. And Robert Kennedy Jr. was one of those people that the mainstream media, everybody was saying, was nuts. Absolutely nuts. I want to ask you this. And now that he's been proven right on COVID and vaccinations and all that stuff, and he has 100%, he didn't just make it up. He's not Alex Jones uh, on the Democrat Party side of things, although Alex Jones occasionally gets things right. But this is this is uh, uh, RFK talking to Elon Musk about what's going on in the country and the tone deafness of Washington, D.C. But also that all the decision making, the real decision making has been taken from the American public. And that, you know, you see so many people. I'm in rural Pennsylvania today and I'm surrounded by by people who feel despair about our country, who are disillusioned, who are struggling with poverty for reasons that they don't understand. What did I tell you? I told you, you know, the, the largest, one of the largest retail sectors in America are dollar stores. And it's not because people are going there to buy, you know, 99 cent movie candy and uh, discontinued spatulas and uh, Pringles that, uh, you know, nobody's buying the taco flavored Pringles. You know, which is what we used to go to dollar stores for. Now they're going to dollar stores to feed their families. That's why dollar stores are popping up in little towns everywhere. I noticed this when I drove to Florida last summer in the back roads through Mississippi and Alabama and Missouri dollar stores. But you know what? Washington, D.C. doesn't give a crap. I drove by homes that looked like nobody lived there. It's like there's no way a human being lives there. And then you'd see a crappy car with taped over uh, 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 lights in the back that had been busted out and people getting out with dollar store uh, bo- uh, you know, bags walking into the house or walking alongside of the road. That's America. That's a good share of America. You don't see it. A lot of people don't see it. They live in cul-de-sacs. They live in wherever. But that's what's happening. We saw it with uh, East Palestine, Ohio. Where the hell's East Palestine? Last time we looked at East Palestine, they intentionally blew up some railroad cars with a whole lot of toxic chemicals in them, and uh, it showed up everywhere, and it killed birds and other wildlife, pets and whatnot. And, uh, and Pete Buttigieg showed up a few weeks late after the federal government completely ignored them altogether. Where are they now? Did it get cleaned up miraculously? Or did uh, the media just turn their cameras away? Yeah, pretty much that. But they feel like they no longer are the masters of their own destiny. And I think a lot of that is because it's true. Our government has become an instrument of corporate power, and it is not telling. And because of that, it has to lie to us. You know, it it can't afford to be transparent because if it actually told us what it was up to and why it was making certain decisions, people wouldn't put up with it. So everything has to be cloaked in fear and deception. Did you notice that? Did you notice that everything is about fear? 
You have to be afraid of climate change. You have to be afraid that this is happening. You are uh, a phobic if you uh, disagree with anything. Everything is a crisis. Everything is a crisis. The world is going to end, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. COVID is going to kill you. Blah, 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 blah. I can go on and on. That's what you're being fed a diet of every single day. And I think we're kind of fed up with fear. And I think, you know, Americans, even though they don't understand it, they understand that something very, very wrong is happening. To they them. understand that something very wrong is happening to them. Because we're not stupid. No. There you go. They understand that something is wrong. That is what we call common sense. That is what we call putting two and two together and realizing that if you say that my fears or my concerns are misinformation or disinformation, it means that the powers that be know that what I believe is right and they will do anything to cover it up. This is a new survey from Convention of States Action in partnership with the Trafalgar Group, one of America's most accurate pollsters, and they're saying that dissatisfaction with President Biden and DC insiders are driving support for RFK Jr.'s bid for the 2024 Democrat presidential nomination. Really? Isn't that what Rob Carson has been saying for a while? Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. Listen to this. 60% of Democrat voters with an opinion on the issue attribute Robert Kennedy Jr.'s rising support in the Democrat presidential primary to general dissatisfaction with President Biden. But you know what? Donald Trump doesn't stand a chance against Joe Biden. Yeah, that's what they're telling you. If Donald Trump's the candidate, he won't win. Yeah, you're high. <clears throat> or, or Ron DeSantis, for that matter. So uh, anyway, uh, primary the, the dissatisfaction with President Biden, 22% attribute Kennedy's opposition to political and corporate establishment. But I thought he was a denier and a, and a uh, isn't he a conspiracy theorist? Isn't he that? I guess. 71% of Republican voters with an opinion on the issue attribute Robert Kennedy Jr.'s rising support in the Democrat presidential primary to general uh, dissatisfaction with President Biden. There you go. So that's Republicans. True. 62% of independents with an opinion on that, say that uh, it's a general uh, dissatisfaction with President Biden, the reason why Robert Kennedy Jr. is rising. And listen to this. Are you ready? You better sit down for this. During a Monday conversation with Elon Musk, Democrat President hopeful Robert Kennedy Jr. said the, the uh, Second Amendment is settled and that a Kennedy administration will not try to take away guns. This is a Democrat. I thought, I thought Democrats said that guns kill people, you know? He said, uh, uh, Dr. Gen De Benjamin Braddock quoted RFK saying, my position on gun control is that I'm go not going to take away anybody's guns. I'm a constitutional maximalist and the issue that has been settled by the Supreme Court. He went on to address school shootings, noting that he is ready to take great strides to harden schools and eliminate shootings. I understand, this is RFK, I understand personally the heartbreak of gun violence. We have to stop school shootings. If it comes down to protecting schools like we protect airlines, we'll do that. He spoke beyond school shootings to mass shootings in general, noting that he will, are you ready for this? Because nobody's talking about this. He will thoroughly investigate any role that psychiatric drugs may be playing in high-profile shootings. Huh. I do believe that we have a uh, an entire generation of kids on some sort of uh on some sort of meds. 
whether that be ADHD, ADD, antipsychotic, I can go on and on. RFK said, we ought to look at the role of psychiatric drugs prior to the introduction of Prozac. We had almost no events like this. Really? Are you thinking maybe most of our kids don't need to be on something? Uh, maybe you just let kids run around outside for a while instead of sitting them down and drugging them so they pay attention? I'm just saying, uh, these are things I've been talking about for a, a long time. Yeah. And uh, like I said, he said that the, the Supreme Court affirmed with the Second Amendment protects an individual's right to have guns in the home for self-defense. That's, that's, a, that's a Democrat. Holy crap. That's why the media is not covering him. That's why they don't want to have any debates. I mean, other than the fact that Joe Biden can't even go to the bathroom by himself. But that's one of the reasons. That's one of the reasons. Uh, let's go to Mike in Nottingham, Maryland. Has some thoughts on uh, Jim Comey, uh, who yeah, says Ron. that Joe Biden. Uh, uh, let me finish. Says yeah. that Jim Comey. Jim Comey says that Joe Biden should be the president. Uh, what do you have to say about Jim Comey, sir? Well, uh, first, uh, he is afraid if President Trump gets into office, he'll go to prison. But uh, yes. when I think of people like James Comey, I get furious. Uh, James Comey plotted against the President of the United States. Uh, isn't that treason? And I think uh, prison would be too kind for James Comey. Uh, maybe hanging well, uh, for treason would be yeah. more appropriate uh, a punishment. Well, Mike, I, uh, we, we can reserve uh, discussions about the form of punishment that treason should uh, result in. Um, but I will tell you that it is very clear Jim Comey was involved in attempting to throw the 2016 election and then lying about it, lying about it for uh, years afterwards. People like uh, uh, Adam Schiff said that there was, uh, there was actual evidence, plenty of evidence to suggest that uh, Russia collusion actually happened and that there was absolutely zero so he should be uh well he's being sued he should be sued out of existence he should be driven from office but jim comey played along right up to the last minute now that we know that all of this russia collusion was a joke jim comey played along at any moment when he was writing the that now he's on his second book at any moment he could have cleared things up but he did not so i'm with you mike i think he needs to be uh i think he needs to pros be prosecuted criminally i think the fbi's involvement in the electionary needs to be investigated and a whole hell of a lot of people need to go to jail for it uh mike i appreciate the phone call we got to take a break on the way i have some startling information with regard to how many people believe that the uh the federal government was involved in january the 6th um it's way over a majority that's coming up this is the rob carson show we the people are mad as hell it's the rob carson show just got a note from uh, Sam. He says, Rob, as a plumber by trade, I highly recommend you not demo the bathroom yourself. You could end up why, uh, causing a lot more work for the contractors. Uh, it's okay. I, I know a few things about home improvement, and the only reason I'm hiring a contractor is because I'm tired of doing all this crap myself. I'm, I, honestly, I'm, I've, I think I've done my last home improvement project. I've, I've done bathrooms. I've done uh, bedrooms. I've built stuff. Uh, I've, I've sided. I've done the whole deal, and I'm just kind of done with it. So that's why we're bringing somebody in <clears throat> to do the uh, to do the bathroom on the main floor. But I will not be. Uh, I will not have the glory of demo taken away from me when I know how to do it. So there, I do appreciate your concern. Uh, I am a responsible home improver. So there you go. So um, 
Remember when I told you about the uh, what I call conservative apartheid? Uh, and this means uh, advertisers being uh, steered away from conservative media. And it's happened my entire life. Uh, it happened. Uh, I was there for the dawn of the Rush Limbaugh program. Started writing for him in around 1989 when I was right out of college, and uh, and I and, and I always kind of wondered why uh, Fox News and why Rush could never get General Motors. And I wondered why why isn't why isn't Procter and Gamble on the conservative media? It's because there are a lot of people who are uh, actively working against conservatism. It's been going on forever. I like to call it Dem Crow. It's Dem Crow. We live in an era of Dem Crow where you cannot be a conservative. You cannot have a conservative thought without somebody coming down on you. And Elon Musk is noticing this. Elon Musk is noticing that if you stray away from what uh, Twitter used to be, which was a faculty lounge for leftists who left college, went into social media, and immediately shut down conservative thought, and then when election rolled around, literally worked with the government to shut down conservative thought, to uh, throw at least one election, I can go on and on. And now Elon Musk, he's talking to Robert Kennedy Jr. yesterday, and he's saying that uh, he's facing a boycott, and, and, and they're losing money. And this is the same thing I've been talking about forever. You, you know, uh, t Twitter um, has, has seen uh, extreme pressure from advertisers um, as, uh, and, 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 you know, has, has uh, at least in the West, seen um, a advertising boycott from from a lot of companies yeah i would like to for sure thank those companies that have stuck with us um uh, like apple and uh, disney and many others shocking um but uh but we have in um you know, it, it, for uh, north america and europe seen um uh, roughly uh half of our advertising uh disappear overnight well this is kind of weird because the Global Engagement Center with the State Department was carrying uh, out uh, government propaganda through private media organizations, and its, def de its uh, mission was to direct, lead, synchronize, integrate, and coordinate U.S. federal government efforts to recognize, understand, expose, and counter foreign state and non-state propaganda and disinformation efforts. They did the same thing in Europe, and wasn't it? Elon Musk, who said that's what they're doing to uh, Twitter now in Europe and in the United States? Simply because we insist on free speech. So what you're talking about, I think the public does not realize the magnitude of the pressure, um, uh, extreme financial pressure that is placed upon uh, organizations uh, to, to toe the line uh, by advertisers. And I think this is uh, a fundamental corruption of democracy, and the public should be Absolutely outraged by this. Well, welcome, um, welcome to the club. And, uh, and, and uh, something's got to be done about it. Yeah, well, welcome to the club. I've known about this forever. This has been going on forever. Now, now, and, and I got to tell you, I'm very grateful that Elon Musk is now knee deep in what we've been in forever. We've known this was going on forever. Most people agree that the transgenderism should not be taught in schools. Most people agree that children can't change their gender starting at age five and should be put on hormone uh, blockers, puberty blockers, and get surgery. So <clears throat> if I say that on a conservative outlet, why won't General Motors advertise with my show? Well, uh, Eric Bowling actually talked to Anson Fredericks, who used to be with Anheuser-Busch, and he has the answer for that coming up on the show. Also, January the 6th, most people know it was a setup. And next, 
KT McFarland. Incredible information on corruption in the Biden administration on the other side of this break. This is The Rob Carson Show. You know, folks, I thank God for my wonderful wife, my kids, my country, the greatest nation ever. And Americans like you who believe in the truth, The Chris Salcedo Show will never stop fighting for you. The Chris Salcedo Show, for the news you need to know. There's only one Rob Carson on the radio. Oh, thank God. It's The Rob Carson Show. We are going to move the uh, KT McFarland interview to next hour. We had a little technical glitch that we need to get to, uh, but we will take care of it. We are guaranteed to have her next hour. So KT McFarland will join us very shortly, very shortly on the uh, on the show. Uh, in relation to uh, Elon Musk saying that now that he is the head of Twitter and he is experiencing a boycott from advertisers, realize that there were documents. This is a story I, I have a memory. It's kind of interesting. I can't remember names very well, but I do remember, I don't know, being uh, abused. <clears throat> uh, I credit that to my childhood. <laughs> anyway, so uh, the Biden administration's $40 million anti-terrorism program targeted uh, Breitbart News, Newsmax, and others. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Media Research Center revealed the Biden administration used $40 billion grant from the Department of Homeland Security, ostensibly earmarked for anti-terrorism purposes to target conservative organizations and media. Did you know that? The targeted uh, violence and terrorism program uh, was established by the DHS in 2011 to combat uh, al-Qaeda, but was vastly expanded to, uh, by the Biden administration. Yeah, it encompasses now media literacy and online critical thinking initiatives, meaning that you got to think right. Uh, the most radical of which accuse conservative organizations like Breitbart, Turning Port USA, Heritage Foundation, and others uh, of turning Americans into uh, uh, radicals. So $39 million were awarded to public institutions that effectively worked to steer money away from organizations like the Heritage Foundation, NRA, Prager University, uh, the RNC, as well as other organizations. And uh, that ultimately ended up also in uh, keeping advertisers from, you know, advertising on them. It was, a, it was a secondary way of censoring people. Instead of, if you can't get it all done by just uh, working in collaboration with big tech, if you can't just get what you want done with the support of the slavishly left-of-center news media, then go at them this way. And they did. And we get it. And, and we're seeing these dice, these dominoes, I should say, continue to fall. One of the dominoes is January the 6th. <clears throat> now, I'm going to speak uh, uh, in uh, non-conspiratorial language. Um, because a lot of the times when you are, uh, when you, when you hold an opinion that has been declared verboten by the federal government, now we know why, because they actually worked with the big social media and the mainstream media to shut down speech. Uh, but we were called, um, we were called conspiracy theorists. If you didn't believe that Donald Trump conspired with Russia, then uh, to throw the 2016 election, you were a conspiracy theorist. And then when we, uh, you know, when the 2020 election happened and you were kind of like, what, what, what happened here? Why couldn't I have a Facebook page? Why couldn't I say anything about the 2020 election? Because there were a lot of red flags that the night of the election and the next morning you went, what? <clears throat> but you were told you couldn't think that way. It was wrong think. 
you got to get your head right, son. <laughs> and January the 6th, I remember January the 7th, I was like, well, wait a minute now, uh, hold on a second. This doesn't make any sense. Why would people who wanted to overthrow the government, r- literally overthrow the government in a violent insurrection, why didn't they bring their guns? Why? Why? Why, why was that? And, and why were so many doors opened up in the Capitol to let people in? And why were they able to open the building a couple hours later and it was fine? Why, why is that? I, I remember the day after they said that like, it was like $100 million worth of damage caused to the Capitol. I'm serious. There were reports that said there were $100 million worth of damage to the interior of the Capitol. There was no damage done to the interior of the Capitol. It, was, it never happened. And then we saw with the videotapes that were released by Tucker Carlson on Fox News before it was shut down, the investigation was shut down, we saw that people were walking around inside the building and there's no damage. Well, that doesn't sound like an insurrection, does it? And then you look at the fact that the FBI literally used cell phone tracking data to go after people near the Capitol, in the Capitol, even if they didn't do anything. Even if they didn't violently assault anybody, even if they were let in a door, the FBI used their cell phone data to go after them. And the FBI even got in touch with places like Bank of America, asking for the banking records of people who just came from out of town, like from Boston to D.C. for January the 6th. Literally. And, and, and the bank went along with it. They went along with it. But the FBI didn't do the same thing with the people who tried to burn down the the courthouse in in Portland for an entire summer. And the FBI didn't use it to go after the people who set fire to St. John's Church and drove Donald Trump into the the bunker, into into the nuclear bunker with his family. Because Antifa and BLM were rioting outside the Capitol and outside of the White House. So it makes you kind of wonder. And then you realize, oh yeah, you've been played. Back to January the 6th, this is Mark Rasmussen. He owns this uh, great uh, polling organization called uh, Rasmussen. And uh, apparently now, uh, 65% of Americans now believe the federal government was involved in the January 6th riots. Well, the video has people even more convinced that the event was provoked by undercover agents. 65% of voters now say it's likely, up from 61% just six weeks ago. And 46% say very likely, up an incredible seven points. It's kind of funny. It looks like the twister board's on fire. From 39% just six weeks ago. That's a really huge pickup. Only 26% say it's not likely now. And just 12 of them say not at all likely. That's down six points from 18% six weeks ago. Huh. So to me, here's the biggest headline. What's that? Only one quarter of U.S. voters think it's not likely that feds provoked the Capitol riot. Here are the party numbers. 74% of Republicans okay. say it's 70, likely, 74. including now 60% who say very likely. Yeah. That's up nine points from the beginning of March. How is that? Roughly the same number of Republicans, 19%, however, are still holding out on this. But now, 62% of independents think it's likely, up five points, and 44%... 62% of independents say it's likely the feds were involved in January the 6th. They very likely, and that's up a whopping 11 points. Huh. Only 25% of independents think it's not likely that undercover government agents helped provoke the Capitol riot. And if that isn't an astounding lack of faith in the government coming from the politically unaffiliated, 
I don't know what is. Yeah, yeah. People finally understand. And using common sense, here's what I say about my show. The reason why my show exists, the reason why I possess the opinions that I have, is because I have common sense, life experience, and I do my research. There you go. And people who do not do any research and people who just sit and listen to the corporate media, they're the ignoramuses. And they're the ones who scream that you're a denier. And then you you say, well, here's what I think, here's what I think. Well, you're still a denier. And they shout you down. And they've been able to shout you down now going on, what, five years, seven years? As we watch, uh, you know, the federal government continue to go after Donald Trump, nothing ever sticking while ignoring all of the other stuff. This is um, uh, John Solomon, John Solomon, actually, uh, talking uh, on his, his show. And he says that, um, that Nancy Pelosi, if you think about this, <clears throat> John Solomon appeared on uh, Human Events with Jack uh, Posobiec, a great podcaster, by the way. John Solomon, who is a great investigative reporter, said that January the 6th was scripted. It was absolutely scripted. Here is why he says it was scripted, and it makes perfect sense. All of you remember that beautiful video that the Democrats showed on the opening day of January 6th. Well, uh, I noticed something when I was going through the security footage. There was no sound in in many of the uh, scenes that I had seen previously. Yeah, generally the security cameras don't have audio. Like, I went to the the expert there and said, where's the sound? Like, there's no sound on these tapes. But there was. I saw it in the January 6th. Hearings, well, guess what? It was faked. Uh, the sound was dubbed in. Basically, uh, the January 6th committee uh, uh, faked uh, the tapes. They faked the American people by adding sound that wasn't on the tapes. Wow. We're going to reveal something else tonight. Congressman Loudermilk, now running the investigation of the investigation, told us that he just found all the scripts, that every word, every scene of the January 6th um, hearings were scripted. What? Well, they hired a producer from ABC to do the January the 6th kangaroo court. I mean, hearings. They hired a producer to do it. And then Nancy Pelosi cherry-picked Republicans who they knew were anti-Trumpers. Then while they were doing these supposed hearings, they didn't allow any cross-examinations of witnesses. And they didn't allow any witnesses for the defense. And now we know not only all of that was true, but also literally their words were scripted. Like it was a Hollywood movie, what America was seeing was not reality or a pursuit for truth. It was an effort to persuade people by creating a political movie, Jack. There you go. And and it appeared to uh, almost work. And then it didn't. Nobody believed it. It didn't move any radars. It didn't move any needles. It All it did was make Americans go, huh. This is a bunch of crap. I don't know the people on the mainstream media. They went along with it. They were cool with it. This is uh, Representative Troy Nels talking uh, about January the 6th and the video that we have seen thus far. I would agree. I think Benny Thompson, Benny Thompson now was the puppet and, and uh, Nancy was the puppet master. And, and I think it's important that we expose these. We need to get the thousands of hours of video. Why wouldn't that be yeah, Abe, why wouldn't the American people be able to see that unless there is some real true security concern or something so graphic that you wouldn't want on TV? How could people walk up to the most secure building in uh, Washington, D.C., which is the Capitol, right, and tap out a window and reach in and grab the handle? 
And and how could they just walk into doors without tearing them down? And and also, I'll just throw this out there: Have Trump supporters ever been violent? No, they haven't. Never. Starting with Donald Trump running for president in 2016, I remember uh, radical leftists were literally embedding themselves in Trump rallies and at lines for Trump rallies, starting stuff. That's when this all started. Trump supporters, Republicans, never riot, never put on uh, flak helmets, never bring grappling hooks, never bring bear spray. But, but I think uh, that members of Congress that would like to review all that video footage should be able to review it. But Nancy kept it hidden. She didn't want anybody to look at this. Now, they picked and choose what they wanted to expose during that sham committee. They got people screaming. They found the worst 10 minutes inside the Capitol. But when you truly see the video, there are hours and hours of no violence, nonviolent protesters just walking around inside the Capitol, waving their flags, singing God bless America. I mean, there were many, many people inside that Capitol building that day that didn't violate any law, didn't hurt anybody, didn't do anything wrong. You know, a government that would punish people for doing something, just walking into a building, uh, really is uh, not worthy of being the government of the people. Uh, these are the abuses and usurpations that our uh, founders warned us of. They really are. This is Stephen Friend uh, from the Center for Renewing American Progress talking to uh, John Solomon about the doors in the Capitol. Now the door is open, but 310 people, by my count, walk through that door over a 45-minute uh, period, unimpeded, really unrestricted. This is just one door. Restricted by law enforcement. How might that, if it had been made available to defendants, might have affected some of the cases of, of the perpetrators here? I think it's sort of a game changer. I mean, here they didn't even position a, a authority figure there who would admonish folks not to use that door. And that's uh, the Capitol is the people's house. And I think that there was. Now, listen to this, because if you were at the Capitol that day and you believe that the uh, that the uh, election had been stolen and somebody opened the door to the Capitol. And you walked in. Did you commit a crime? The, the general sentiment among people there who even might have thought that uh, it was more than just a regular tour at the building. It was a demonstration to them. That's a First Amendment protected ah. activity. You're allowed to assemble. You're allowed to redress your grievances against your government. And maybe just thinking the voluminous number of folks walking through all the doors, perfectly legal in the in the people's house. It was a trap was the idea that, that was on their minds when they thought they were going to try to encourage Congress to, to pause election certification. and then Hey, they're letting us in. We could, they want to hear what we have to say. They answer some of the questions that were uh, derivative from the 2020 outcome. Yeah. By the way, the FBI misused surveillance, a surveillance tool more than 278,000 times on January the 6th. Uh, suspects, crime victims, political donors and Black Lives Matter uh, activists. OK, so the uh, the FBI clearly is covering up uh, more than we could ever imagine. Uh, let's take a break. We've got some new statistics on uh, how many people believe that Ron DeSantis can be and will be elected president, among other things. And then also Mike Pence and what he wants to do, the Republican Party. That's on the way. This is the Rob Carson Show. If you're down with trigger warnings, you might want to listen to something else. It's the Rob Carson Show. One thing we've learned, and uh, like I did 
the last couple of years before it was official, I said that if if someone from the federal government, uh, the deep state, mainstream media, big social media says what you believe is disinformation or misinformation, that uh, they know you know the truth. And that's been proven. The United States of America, the FBI, was involved in an active uh, propaganda campaign to shut you up about everything from COVID to CRT to the election to Russia collusion. We know that. We know that. And now I've kind of uh, evolved into another mantra, which is that if the deep state, if the mainstream media, if big social media says things that are favorable when it involves a controversy involving Joe Biden, you have to realize that's a lie. And when the media says something negative about Donald Trump with regard to criminality, suggested criminality, that that is a lie as well. It has been proven by seven years of pursuing Donald Trump for whatever and all of it blowing up in their faces and by the media's continuing ignorance of abject corruption of the Biden family. So just realize that anything positive about anything involving a scandal with the Biden administration is a lie. And everything about Donald Trump, this is the walls closing in, he's going to go to jail this time, is also a lie. There you go. They won't let you down. Trust me on this, because they didn't with the misinformation, disinformation crap. It's the same old stuff. They're just switching gears. I want to go to Jonathan in Falston, Maryland. Jonathan, welcome to the show. What's on your mind today, bud? Hi, Rob, and uh, thank you for taking my call. Yeah. Uh, What I wanted to bring out was, do you know that the biggest threat to America is corrupt elections? Now, everybody in this district, Congressional District 1, are all saying the same thing. They are requesting our states, the president of the state's legislators in Maryland, and in all states, okay, to have voter ID, no voting machines, one-day elections, and only military vote, uh, mail-in voting except for disabled Americans and no early elections. Now, yes. the Constitution gives Congress the right and the power to fix any state's elections if their state's legislature will not give them a fair election. Uh-huh. It's in the Constitution. Well, um I'd have to look at state statutes versus federal statutes. I'd also have to look at uh, the fact that the federal government was attempting to federalize elections. And if you are saying that uh, the uh, federalization of the elections is already in the Constitution, I'm, I'm kind of one. I'd have to do some more research on it before I can, can say anything to you, Jonathan. But you, you also mentioned that the biggest threat to America is the election system as is. And if we don't have a if we don't have a uh, a fair elections process, then then all everything is for naught. Right, and it says in the Constitution that, that the elections are to be free and fair, uh-huh. and we all know it's not fair. Yeah, and we witness, we keep witnessing this, and I don't, I can't understand why Congress or anyone is not even mentioning this, you know, on the floor in, in Congress uh, about fixing our election system because it's it's broken, and we we're yeah. all witnessing that it's broken. Well, I'm, I'm thinking this is going to get louder, um, Jonathan, but, you know, literally for the last two and a half years, we've been screamed at and told that if we deny the elections, that we are election deniers and that we are conspiracy theorists. So I think a little bit of that is going on. But finally, I think we're getting to a point where it's so obvious that our election system is screwed that it, uh, it can't be denied anymore. Let's take a break and come back. You're listening to The Rob Carson Show. This is The Rob Carson Show. 
Can you believe it is the 79th anniversary of D-Day today? Where our allies stormed Omaha Beach. I uh, I always like to share the story of my bus driver, Harold, Harold Delaney. And uh, I was the kid in school who would uh, bug the hell out of teachers because I had this never-ending curiosity. Uh, one of the things that I discovered when I did that was Mr. Ballantyne, my eighth-grade English teacher, was uh, actually at Pearl Harbor when they were attacked by the Japanese. And my bus driver, Harold Delaney, was in uh, the wave, the first wave that hit Omaha Beach. Uh, Harold Delaney, he's, his, uh, he, uh, he rests in my hometown of Neola, Iowa. And he uh, came back from World War II. And I used to bother him at the uh, truck stop that I worked at. Um, and he would come in for a small coffee. And I would pry things out of him. And one of the things he would tell me and did tell me over the years was that he was in the first wave that hit Omaha Beach. And he was 19 years old. And he slept in a foxhole that night wondering whether he was going to live or die. And it is remarkable what we expect of the young people in our country uh, to, to uh, give up their lives and limbs for us. And unfortunately, even to this day, our federal government still lets them down, still lets them down terribly. Uh, every time I see one of the commercials for Tunnels for Towers, I think, why isn't the federal government buying them a home? Why isn't the federal government providing them with a home when they have been profoundly injured physically or mentally. I mean, there's the VA, but why? Why do we always do this? Why are we rewarding illegals with hotel rooms and iPhone 14s when you've got young men, mostly, and women coming back from wars that <laughs> you kind of wonder what, what the reasoning was when you consider how unceremoniously we withdrew from Afghanistan for political reasons. And then these men and women come back profoundly injured physically or mentally, and the federal government forgets them altogether. It's just, um, it's just ridiculous. So we remember today um, D-Day. Uh, the anniversary, 79 years later, 80 years next year, obviously. Uh, KT McFarland's going us on the phone here in a second. I want to I want to mention, you know, right now the uh, the uh, Chris Ray, the director of the FBI, is going to be held in contempt by Congress because he refuses to turn over a document that uh, confirms that Joe Biden took five million dollars in bribes from a country while he was the vice president. And the FBI is saying they don't want this unclassified document to be shared because it might endanger the whistleblower, even though the whistleblower, the only person who'd want to see the the uh, the whistleblower dead are the FBI or Joe Biden. Uh, that said, Katie McFarland, what do you think? <laughs> well, look, it's an unclassified document, so they can't hide behind classification. And we it's a serious situation. You know, the, the Congress has every right to require and request documents of the FBI and testimony of of the senior leadership of the FBI, and you have an FBI director who's basically said, get lost. I'm not going to participate in this conversation, so to speak. And and they've admitted that the document exists, again, unclassified, yes. admitted that this document exists, but won't hand it over. Now, what's the next step? So Congress can say, well, we're going to hold the director of the FBI in contempt of Congress. But then what happens? The FBI director can sort of shrug his shoulder and say, oh, who cares? <laughs> And then, the, and then the Congress would refer it to the Justice Department for, for charges and prosecution. And the Merrick Garland, Joe Biden Department of Justice is not going to charge the director of the FBI with any kind of crime. So the FBI director knows that at the end of the day, he can get away with this. 
So that he can do whatever he wants, and nobody's going to hold him to account. But I think the American people, if you look at some of the recent polling, uh, the American people believe that Joe Biden is corrupt. 52% yeah. of the American people. How long do you suppose the uh, the FBI and the powers that be are going to be able to defend Joe Biden and his actions from the vice presidency on? Oh, I think they'll continue to stonewall the entire time. And the um, I thought it was quite interesting uh, about a week ago that former director of the FBI, James Comey, gave an interview and it was asked, well, who do you support for President yeah. 24? And he said, oh, Joe Biden. It's got to be Joe Biden. It can't <laughs> be any Republican. Yes. Well, of course, because any Republican could come in and flip the scenario I've just discussed, where a Republican can come in, a Republican attorney general can open up the files and say, look, there's been wrongdoing. We're going to investigate. We're going to charge people. And that's not what the current FBI leadership and even the former FBI leadership wants, because they've so politicized the FBI that they know they, they would be caught. Now, why would they be caught this time and it wasn't before? It's because Congress is now doing major investigations yeah. into all aspects of the corruption, whether it's the Hunter Biden laptop, whether it's the FBI suppression of it, whether it's the 51 dirty former intelligence officers who said, oh, that, that Hunter Biden laptop is all just disinformation, whether it, the whole range of these things are now being investigated, their bank records, their whistleblower testimony, so whoever the next president who comes in already has the legal brief written for him. Congress has done about as much as they're going to be able to do and go down this, this direction, which is to get more and more and more evidence so that eventually it can be shown to the American people. They can decide which president they want. And then it can be, I think, a Republican president can come in and call them all up to, you know, call them all to account for their actions. What do you suppose will be done about the deep state in Washington, D.C.? I mean, you were in Washington, D.C. for a number of years. I know that uh, the deep state has gone after you and your family, nearly bankrupting yeah. you. Um, what do you suppose can be done about the deep state? And, and uh, did you have any idea when you were in D.C. how far-reaching this was? No, and I don't think anybody has until these the whistleblowers and the Durham report and all this information is now coming out, and it's all hard, cold evidence. It's facts. It's not just speculation and conjecture. You know, the FBI intervened in the 2016 election. They did by trying to say that Donald Trump was connected to the, to the Russians, that the Russians <laughs> interfered with the election to get Donald Trump elected. And then when that didn't work, the FBI then tried to sabotage his presidency with the Steele dossier and the Mueller report, the Mueller investigation, and that didn't work. So Donald Trump still got to be president. So in 2020, the CIA got involved, yeah. and they were going to throw the election, and they did it by discrediting the Hunter Biden laptop, which they all knew was real, but they discredited it nonetheless. And so I look and say, okay, 2016, 2020, nobody held to account. What's to prevent these same group of yeah. people who are still in these offices to, to do it again in 24? Nothing, because they know they'll never get caught. And as I point out, they now have an added incentive because they now have to cover their tracks. They now have to cover up what they did because the information is out there, is getting out, and they have to prevent that from happening. But don't you suppose this is getting... I, I like to use the expression of burning twister board. Uh, and, and here is the deep state standing above the twister board, and all of a sudden right-hand red turns, uh, it catches fire. And that is uh, the investigation of uh, Hunter Biden and, uh, and money from, uh, uh, you know, from uh, Russia or Ukraine. And then left foot green, there's another fire that is, you know, another scandal that's going on. Do you suppose that... 
that with uh, Elon Musk now owning Twitter and uh, and uh, Republicans being in Congress, that they'll be able to do the same thing that they did in 2020 and 2016 and 2024? Or do you think that we'll be able to do it? Uh, we'll be able to stop this. I think it's up to the American people. Yeah. If the American people look at this evidence, increasing evidence, one after another, and it's not just one or two isolated incidents, it's dozens of them. If the American people say, oh, I don't really care about that, that's not, you know, I'm more concerned with whatever. Um, I don't really care about that. I don't care about the woke ideology. I don't care about the weaponization of the federal government. Well, then you know something? We deserve that. Then we deserve a government that's screwing us over. But I do think I have confidence in the American people to at a certain point to say, hey, wait a minute, we've all had enough. And this is overwhelming evidence, and we're going to vote against not only President Biden, but the whole Democrat establishment. This morning, I watched Rob Finnerty on Newsmax, and he talked to Jim Comer about uh, the uh, 1023 form uh, and money coming from Romania, coming from China, coming from Russia, coming from Ukraine. I'm trying to put this together because right now we are fighting essentially a de facto war with Russia and Ukraine. How does this all come together? Why? How is this connected? Because clearly there's a connection. Do you have any ideas? Well, I, the one that concerns me the most is the China connection, which is that China was, and, and I forget how many Biden family members are now shown to be receiving money from China indirectly, you know, through carve-out and cutouts, but that China was buying the Biden family well before when he was vice president. And during the period of the Trump presidency, so the Biden leaves office, his people leave office, they leave the Obama administration, they all go park at a think tank for four years. The think tank is paid for by China. And now all the, it's not just President Biden, but it's Tony Blinken, it's all the other people, the senior leadership, the national security leadership of the Biden administration were all paid for by China for the last four years. And now they're probably, at the end of their term in office, they'll probably go right back and be paid for by China. So when I then look and say, okay, there's pretty clear evidence here that there's corruption with China, money changing hands, then what is the evidence that they've, um, that they've got, the Chinese have gotten what they paid for? Yes. Well, we have, a, we have an awful lot of evidence that the Chinese are getting what they paid for. Chinese spy balloon invades the territorial yes. integrity of the United States. Nothing much happens. Chinese has, has police stations in cities around the country arresting Chinese Americans. Nothing much happens. The trade deals with China. Mm-hmm. The Biden administration talks about it, but they're slow walking all of those. The aid to Taiwan. We're supposed to be aiding Taiwan's military. Taiwan's paid for the weapons that they... We haven't delivered them yet. So there's an awful lot of mounting evidence that the policies of the Biden administration are pro-China, or they're certainly not reflective <laughs> of the American people right now, which do view China as an adversary, not just a competitor. A competitor is somebody you have an economic competition with. And, you know, you try to sort of beat them out on the car market. But we're talking about something far more serious, and the Biden administration is soft on China. I think there's a direct connection. Well, I think it's fairly clear clear when you see the United States becoming energy dependent again and then uh, uh, immediately shifting all all of our uh, power possibilities to China with regard to uh, wind turbines and with regard to electric vehicle batteries, uh, battery plants being built in places like Michigan that are going to be run by the Chinese. I think it's fairly obvious (laughs) to me that there is a payback. But, you know, but here's the problem. It's, it's probably not to the American people. They, oh, Green New Deal isn't this great. We're no. investing in renewables. 
And nobody looks to the next step to say, okay, we're spending trillions of dollars on this. Where are we spending the money? In China. Yes. Because China is the country that has a lock on the market of all the component parts to renewable energy. And at the same time, the United States, which does have the ability to be self-sufficient and independent and, and a world leader in oil and clean natural gas, the Biden administration has basically prohibited that. It's got a war on American fossil fuels. So, again, those things to me are far more threatening to American national security. It's the China stuff that bothers me the most, and it's the China stuff that seems to be swept under the rug. Yeah, and also there's been an 800% increase in Chinese foreign nationals coming across the southern border, uh, which brings to mind a lot of possibilities. Why do you suppose that is? I think that southern border, we have turned it over to the cartels, that the Biden administration has said to the drug cartels, you decide who comes into America. We're just going to let everybody in, whoever you say comes. And... And it is such a pervasive and long-term national security threat to the country. Not only national security threat, but an economic threat to the country. You know, if you look at states around cities, New York City. New York City doesn't want any of the um, illegal immigrants put into New York City. Can't handle them. No jobs for them. No money for them. No way to support them um, as they try to normalize. And so New York City is sending them out to the New York suburbs. New York suburbs don't want them. They can't afford them. So it's just a willing, you know, and the Democrats, I must say, Rob, they think they're so tricky. They think, well, we're going to have an open southern border. We're going to let in all these Hispanics into the United States, and then we're going to give them citizenship so they can vote, and they're all going to vote for Democrats. And they think that we'll let in a couple million people a year, a couple million more Democrat voters. What they don't realize is that Hispanic Americans are voting Republican because they're pro-family, they work, they don't believe in the woke ideology, they love God. And so the Democrats think, oh, we're going to get a whole couple million new Democrat voters. No, you're not. You're getting a couple million new Republican voters. Yeah, well, I've said this. A lot of the people who come across the southern border are Catholic. Uh, They're not down with the whole woke ideology. They're not uh, down with uh, people suddenly becoming women so they can win in sports. And finally, on that note, because uh, I believe that all evidence points to you being a cisgendered woman, woman since birth, Um, (laughs) unless, unless there's anything out there otherwise. I don't think so. But honestly, uh, do you suppose we finally uh, just uh, had enough of this trans nonsense and, and women are finally speaking out and saying enough is enough is enough? I was in the Nixon administration and the Ford administrations when we passed legislation to say women could, um, could had to receive equal amounts under Title IX. Um, and what that meant was all of a sudden women in college sports had to have equal amount of money devoted to women's sports as there were to men's sports. Now, at the time, people said, oh, that's, you know, who really cares about a women's basketball team? We all care about the football team. But what it did was it opened up higher education to hundreds of thousands of women who got sports and athletic scholarships. That was about the most pro-woman piece of legislation we passed in a long time. And what the Democrats are trying to do in the whole woke ideology is so anti-woman. It's saying that all those hundreds of thousands of scholarships, athletic scholarships, are no longer going to go to women. Now, what a step back for women's rights, women's education, women's equal opportunity. 
Yeah, I think it's uh, it's utterly ridiculous, and I think that a lot of people who wear the uh, the pronoun her very proudly, like my mother who passed away two years ago, are thoroughly insulted by it, and I think the butt is off the rose on this one. KT McFarland, a glorious uh, uh, day to have you on the radio program. Thank you for joining me, and let me ask you this. If, if say, for instance, a Donald Trump ended up winning the White House, would you consider going back to Washington, or are you done with it? I just want a Republican to win. I don't care who it is, yes. because I know that whoever it is is going to reverse an awful lot of this craziness. All right. And I've got to say that the important thing to remember on June 6th is guess what happened on June 6th? It was the Normandy invasion, yes. which was the largest collection of men and women who fought in defense of freedom in the history of the world. That's something to remember and to be awfully proud of, that America took such a leading role in that. All right, KT McFarland, have a glorious day. Thank you so much for joining me. A pleasure and an honor, Rob, always. All right, we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. All right, let's take a break. You are listening to The Rob Carson Show. The one thing the America-hating left and Democrats didn't expect, unlike them, we don't hate America. We are finally putting America first. It's The Rob Carson Show. Coming up, a Don't Catch the Stupid update from New York Mayor Eric Adams, who wants to make uh, New Yorkers' homes into Airbnbs for illegals. I wish I were kidding. That sounds like a punchline, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Oh, I want to mention something real quick. My wife and I have been binge-watching Barry. And, uh, and I posed a question. Ba- Barry is on HBO. It's, uh, it's um, Bill Hader's uh, show, and it's uh, just brilliant. It's a really, really good show. Um, and last time, we, we were in, uh, four episodes away from the end of season four. And, and I asked on, uh, online if uh, Hank, who is the uh, gay Chechenian, who's a lovable guy, you know, and by the way, brilliantly, brilliantly, brilliantly acted, both humorously uh, dramatically, I mean, phenomenal. Um, is Hank evil? That's, that's what I want to know. I mean, that's, that's a new question. If you want to go to Twitter, uh, Rob Carson Show, you can tell me. Because, uh, you know, he's a very sweet, lovable guy, also a Chechnyan mob member. And then his reason to be good, something terrible happened to that situation. And I'm just wondering if he really was, uh, you know, uh, evil or not to begin with, to begin with. So anyway, just curious. Uh, Barry, if you have a chance, I, I don't I don't binge watch television very often. I never got into Breaking Bad. I never got into uh, uh, Game of Thrones. Dear God in heaven. I don't have time for it. But I started watching Barry and, and it's it's just that good. It's just that good. I, I want to mention something also. Another thing that's great on television is Newsmax. And if you've seen Newsmax over the last few years, it's just pedal to the metal awesome right now. Tucker Carlson got fired from Fox. Eric Bowling show is blown up because of that. Not only because of that, he's kept the audience because he's awesome. Also, Greta Van Susteren getting all the newsmakers. Rob Schmidt's phenomenal. Rob Schmidt is, uh, I think, the best thing on TV. Nothing against all the other guys. He's just so damn good. Also, Chris Plant's got a new show. Download the Newsmax app for your phone. You can listen to it in your car. Uh, and then, of course... We're back on uh, DirecTV Channel 349. Catch the stupid update on the way with Eric Adams. Also, Elliot Page becomes the Jesse Smollett of transgenderism. That's on the other side of this break. This would be The Rob Carson Show. First year in office summed up in three words. Welcome back, Carter. That's not right. It's not fair to us. And honestly, it's not fair to the world. It's the Rob Carson Show. 
Coming up, that uh, Don't Catch the Stupid update with uh, Eric Adams, the mayor of New York. And also, uh, <laughs> Portland is uh, on the way to hell in a handbasket. Ten percent of Republicans believe it's very, uh, very likely Ron DeSantis will emerge as the GOP nominee for president. According to Rasmussen, ten percent believe that he's very likely. Overall, the survey found forty-nine percent having at least a somewhat favorable view of the governor, who formally jumped into the presidential race nearly two weeks ago after months of speculation. So that's where it is right now. Uh, when asked how likely it is DeSantis will win the nomination, there was uh, no clear majority among those surveyed. Twelve percent said it's very likely DeSantis will win the uh, nomination. Thirty-six percent said it was somewhat likely. Twenty-seven percent said it's not very likely 15 percent said not at all likely and you know what that means uh nothing <clears throat> these polls it's like these polls it's kind of nice you know it gives you, gives you something to talk about that a lot of it a lot of it, you're like really the most likely and the least likely and the whatever i'll tell you somebody who will never be the president and I'm just, I hate to disappoint you and everything. I'm just being real, uh, you know, I'm, uh, uh, Rush used to say, the mayor of Realville. Um, I'm not sure what I, I might be the press secretary for uh, Realville. Mike Pence will never be the president of the United States. Uh, yeah, Mike Pence has filed paper, paperwork to jump into the 2024 presidential primary for the Republican nomination, set up a clash with uh, Donald Trump. I wonder, because Chris Christie's joining today, he has no chance at all. He's a, an MSNBC contributor. He is a, a rhino from hell. Everybody knows it. He has no viability whatsoever. And he's saying what he wants to do essentially is hold Donald Trump to account or I don't even know. So I wonder if they're just trying to be spoilers, I guess, to some degree. Although nobody's going to vote for Chris Christie, maybe friends and family. And even then, I doubt it. I really doubt it. So uh, uh, back to Mike Pence. The former vice president has long sought to market himself as a, ready for this, classical conservative pushing for a return to pre-Trump Republican Party. And you know what that is? That's a dead movement. We are never going back to the Mitt Romney, Mike Pence, uh, 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 Paul Ryan, wing of the Republican Party. It's dead. The funeral was over. It's over. They're never going back. That's why I keep saying that even if you don't support Donald Trump, Donald Trump ushered in a new breed of conservatism. Ron DeSantis is that. He is that. The only reason that Ron DeSantis exists as Ron DeSantis is right now is because of Trumpian uh, philosophies. He adopted them to run the state of Florida. That's why he's even in contention, and he's really not yet. But that's what it is. But Mike Pence, you, you have no chance at all. Pence, of course, uh, with regard to January the 6th, said it was a tragic day for which he said that history will hold Donald Trump accountable. That's another strike. Trump kind to convince Pence to uh, use a disputed power under the 12th Amendment to refuse certification of electoral votes. Contested states where Trump said the results were plagued by widespread voter fraud, and they were. Mike Pence said Trump was wrong. He resisted efforts from both a now-defunct Jan House January 6th panel and other inquiries for investigations into the events of January the 6th, and has suggested that some irregularities characterize the 2020 election. In March of 2021, he opt opted an op-ed for the Heritage Foundation. Pence noted the existence of significant voting irregularities and numerous instances of officials setting aside state election law during the 2020 election. And he has also called populism. Uh, he said that uh, he is asking conservatives to reject the siren song of populism.
Well, populism is where the American people are right now. Populism right now is getting rid of the deep state, returning Washington, D.C. to its position as a, a constitutionally required government that guarantees the uh, rights and sovereignty of the American people. And it's not doing that. It's self-serving. So, Mike Pence, you're done. And you want to hear something even funnier? I mean, almost as funny as, as Chris Christie thinking he has a chance? Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney uh, filed a statement of candidacy, which enables him to commence fundraising and utilizing campaign funds, indicating his potential run for an election. Mitt Romney has even less of a chance than Chris Christie of of running and winning. Honestly, there's no chance. There's no shot. So I'm trying to figure this out. Why would they do it? I asked it on Twitter. I said, why would Chris Christie run? He has no shot. Is this about ego? Is this about misplaced hubris? What is this about? I don't know. I, I really don't know. I, I don't have a problem with it if they want to do it. I, I got to think that maybe they're very bored. Maybe they're angling for another TV gig. Maybe they want to be vice president. Mike Pence will never be the vice president uh, again. Chris Christie will never be the vice president. None of them have any hold any sway. None of them have any uh, interest. There's nothing to adding either of them to a ticket. Same goes with Mitt Romney. Uh, so why? I guess they, they just want to be a part of it. They just can't get rid of that addiction to Washington, D.C. They just can't get a, the, a rid of that addiction to being noticed, to being part of the uh, the end crowd. Maybe that's part of it. I don't even know. It's just it's just curious. It is just curious. It's pointless, but it is uh, it is very curious. Stupid, 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 stupid people, people, people. Just plain stupid. Stupid is stupid, doesn't it? Well, uh, New York City Mayor Eric Adams, who, by the way, is not a very intelligent be- human being, and if you don't believe me, just listen to him talk. Generally, that's a good uh, idea. If you, if you listen to somebody talk, you can figure out if they're stupid or not. You should try it sometime. It's remarkable. It is remarkable. You people are, you know, the, 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 the uh, leftists are, well, yeah, but you talk, you sound stupid. No, I don't. No, not at all. I'm a smart guy. Uh, when I speak, it, it sounds like I'm a reasonably intelligent person. And if you don't believe it, uh, listen some more, because I am. I'm not saying I'm a genius or anything, but, uh, you know, I bring intelligence, common sense, uh, you know, uh, life experience and research to this show. And with that, I'm able to present a, a cogent argument. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is a buffoon. He is a complete buffoon. And he is suggesting that the city government may soon pay New Yorkers to open their homes to illegal aliens. I'm not kidding. Here is Eric Adams, the uh, the mayor of New York, God help us all, talking about his latest plan for taking care of the uh, Democrat-created uh, illegal immigration crisis. We're disciplined and we're executing on it. It is my vision uh, to take the next step to this, to go to the faith-based uh, locales, and then move to uh, private residents. Uh, there are residents who are suffering right now because of economic challenges. So the Democrat policies that have screwed over the country with regard to uh, the southern border, uh, screwed over the country and municipalities like New York with higher taxes, COVID restrictions, uh, defunding the police and all of that. This is his solution. Now that because Democrat economic policies have destroyed you, then we will pay you government money to put up illegals in your homes. They have spare rooms. 
homes, uh, they have locales, and if we can find a way to get over the 30 days. Hell, I'm a, I live in a neighborhood where there are a lot of uh, immigrants from south of the border, and probably, like, in, there's some of these little duplexes near me, and out in front of them, you'll see, like, four or five ladder trucks parked. You'll see a Ford F-150s or 350s with ladders on them, and they're all migrant families, uh, and they're all living in that uh, in that one uh, unit over there. So, like, 20 people. I'm thinking I could make some serious money in my spare bedroom. Rule and other rules that government has in, in its place, we can take that $4.2 billion, $4.3 it may be now, that we potentially have to spend, and we can put it back in the pockets of everyday New Yorkers, everyday houses of worship, instead of putting it in the pockets of corporations, and some of those corporations come from outside our city. Wow, is that stupid? Stupid, 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 people, 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 people. Just plain stupid. Stupid, 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 Wow. So that's what they want to do. That's what they want to do. This is this is fantastic. And, and you want to hear something else? This is pretty funny as well. Um, the state of California and various municipalities are spending billions of dollars to address the growing problem of homelessness with little or nothing to show for the effort, according to the Wall Street Journal. Okay, so all of the money that has been spent in the state of California with regard to homelessness is uh, completely has been for naught. Has completely been. Uh, misused. The number of homeless people in California grew 50% between 2014 and 2022. The state, which accounts for 12% of the population, has about half of the nation's unsheltered homeless, okay? So 115,000 people, according to the state. Now, California has spent, are you ready for this? And maybe somebody could do the math. Uh, 115,000 divided by 17 billion. Uh, California has spent $17 billion combating homelessness in the last four fiscal years for the state budget year starting July uh, Governor Gavin Newsom has proposed another 3.7 billion dollars and they're still going through so every dime that they waste on fixing the homeless crisis has been a complete waste of money and you know what's really surprising is that this isn't surprising did you know that when Gavin Newsom was the uh, uh, the mayor of San Francisco, which actually was able to descend even further into hell with a new mayor, and uh, uh, I mean, uh, San Francisco is is, is uh, toast. All of the anchor stores are moving out. People don't want to live there. It's too expensive to live there. Uh, right now, you've got the Tenderloin District where heroin users uh, stand out in the open. Fentanyl users are out in the open. Crime has gone through the ceiling. It's the same way with other, uh, with other uh, uh, municipalities around the country. I'll get to Portland in one second. But Gavin Newsom had a plan back in 2008. He was going to fix homelessness. And guess what? It didn't happen. And here, if I can get this, this is uh, this is Gavin Newsom. Hold on, let me grab it here. Uh, this is Gavin Newsom back in uh, 2008 talking about his homeless plan that did a complete face plan. We believe fundamentally that food solves hunger, that shelters solve sleep, and that housing solves homelessness. And if we're going to solve the problem... Imagine that. Food the uh, curing hunger and uh, houses uh, curing homelessness that's genius uh, of those that are out on the streets that we define as homeless we better solve the housing problem if we're going to have an impact and that's why we established this framework 
what we call a 10-year plan to end chronic homelessness in San Francisco. Okay, now he was going to cure the homelessness in San Francisco. It was a 10-year plan in 2008, and it's 2023. So it's five years after his 10-year plan to rid the city of homelessness, and homelessness was worse than ever. And there you go. And he's going to be a presidential contender? Sure, you keep telling you that. Oh, and listen to this. In, in, Wall, in Chicago, imagine shopping in this, all right? I, I live in Johnson County, Kansas, the Kansas side of Kansas City, not by choice, nothing against Kansas. It's just I need mountains and ocean and all that stuff. That said, I live here. And, and uh, if you go into a Walgreens to try to steal a bunch of stuff, somebody's going to trip you and beat the snot out of you before you get out of the store. And if you go in and try to do a smash and grab at a uh, at a uh, liquor store or whatever, you're probably going to get shot just because we have open carry here and uh, and we don't, uh, you know, reward people for criminality. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. But in Chicago, they have recently remodeled an entire Walgreens that is uh, is about self-directed shopping. Yeah. So what they, they, they're hoping that the new store model will enhance the experience of customers and team members. Now, the Walgreens are talking about is near the Shedd Aquarium in Chicago. And rather than aisle after aisle of towering shelves stocked with inventory, the store now offers two low-rising shelves, no li- higher than a f- a five feet tall, filled with only essentials. All non-essentials are kept behind walls guarded with anti-theft protection devices. And so customers must use kiosks to get the items. How do you like that? See, I like to go shopping myself, and I like to find my stuff and put it in my cart. But the the difference is between essential and non-essential items is that the essential items, such as deodorant, uh, uh, or I should say non-essential items like deodorant um, or, or potato chips or candy, they're out, but the expensive stuff is put away. And on the sign inside the store, it says, let us do the shopping. But really what is happening is that it has become so cost prohibitive to just have a store where you can walk in and shop that now you have to go to a kiosk because the stores are being robbed blind. I've got a, a, a little bit more on this, um, Portland, Oregon, and what's happening in Portland. Then also, I do want to get to the, uh, the transgender Jesse Smollett. We'll get to that in just a second. This is the Rob Carson Show. In the 60s, we had LBJ. Now, we have FJB. It's the Rob Carson Show. Uh, months ago, somebody sent me a quote from Voltaire, and it says those are capable of uh, believing, how was it exactly? Believing absurdities are uh, fully capable of committing atrocities. And that's what I say about transgender surgery on children. If you believe absurdities, you'll commit atrocities. That's why it's happening in, in hospitals around the country, and it's going to end in a very uh, very quick fashion, and people are going to be held accountable for it. If you don't believe me, ask Elon Musk. He's talking about it a lot. Uh, Portland, Oregon has suffered massive population loss since 2020 due to crime. Another uh, quote that somebody sent me just this week was, never interfere with the enemy in the process of destroying itself. Uh, that was from Napoleon. And when I look at cities like uh, Portland and I look at uh, cities like San Francisco and, and New York, uh, I say that. Never interfere with people who are a, a, an enemy in the process of destroying itself. It, it's a, it becomes a problem when the enemy is trying to destroy the country as founded or uh, the election 
process. Then I get involved. But as far as Portland, uh, just let it go straight to, you know, wherever. They've suffered a huge population loss since 2020. The city lost uh, the sixth, is the sixth most number of people of any city in the U.S., losing about 9,000 people uh, in the last, uh, what, July 1st, 2021 to July 1st, 2022. The decline comes after the city saw 15 straight years of growth. Uh, and here's what residents are saying. There's a Portland resident said, I know it's been really tough for a lot of people through the pandemic. It's been hard to see Portland at the forefront of some of these tensions. It's like Portland died. The tourists haven't come back like they used to, especially the Japanese. They love the city. And it's all about Ted Wheeler, the awful mayor, uh, going to the, you know, the, the, the courthouse that was under siege by Antifa, trying to stick out an olive branch and being chased away. And then uh, the left allowing the uh, the city to go to hell in a handbasket so you know uh just sit back and watch it burn as far as i'm concerned you know this is the bed they have chosen to uh to lie in let's talk about the trans uh jesse smollett gender confusion what is my gender today hey hey gender confusion welcome to 2023 i teach my elementary school students about gender identity oh my god so uh, Elliot Page uh, used to be a dude, uh, rev- or her, uh, he, a uh, she, she used to, be, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, she, uh, she, or now he, revealed that he suffered a scary transphobic attack last year. The star of Juno the movie, 36, shared that a man threatened him outside uh, his hotel in Los Angeles uh, in an interview with the L.A. Times. The actor, who's been uh, promoting his memoir, Page boy said the man yelled. Listen to this now. Remember when Jesse Smollett came up with the the story about the uh, the the Trump uh, supporters saying this is mega country at three in the morning or one in the morning when he was going to Subway for a foot long or was it a six inch anyway? Uh, and saying that this these uh, two rednecks came up and said this was mega country and then beat the snot out of them. Turns out it was just two actors that he hired to do it so he could create this. Well, listen to what Elliot Page says happened in L.A. in front of a hotel to this person and by the way if you saw Elliot Page most people wouldn't even know listen to this uh, he goes the man yelled I'm going to effing gay bash you F word for gay person so literally a, a person walked up to the person and said I'm going to gay bash you <laughs> it's like I am going to commit an act of homophobia but it- <laughs> This is while he was walking uh, to a convenience store outside of a uh, a cinema in West Hollywood, which, you know, is, is known as being a bastion of homophobia. Elliot, who once used the name Ellen Page, came out as transgender uh, in 2020 and then went into the store to seek help from the employees, at which one pointed to the man and yelled, this is why I need a gun. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> the man yelled, this is why I need a gun. So not only did he go after gay bashers, uh, he also went after people who like to carry guns. So, yeah, uh, Jesse Smollett, The Revenge, the sequel. Let's take a break and come back. This is The Rob Carson Show. All right, guys, that's going to do it for the show. Make sure to watch Newsmax uh, during primetime. Some great stuff tonight. Do not miss it. Download the app. Also, the podcast of my show. Check that out if you would. In the meantime, have a glorious day. And until tomorrow, do your level best to not catch the stupid. See you.